Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the January Scavenger Hunt preview episode in today's show. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? This is my third scavenger hunt preview episode, and I hope that they're becoming more enjoyable. You know, progress is the name of the game, and uh, I'd like to think that these are filled with merit in some sense. Uh, to this month's list uh, was created, or this month's hunt rather, was created by Letterboxd user Andy Crike. I'm not sure Crike is a word or whether or not it means stands for anything else, but. Uh, this is a guy who lives in the UK, and uh, he has this uh, sort of diatribe monologue that he has on the original post, which you can find a link to. If you follow the link to my list, which will be in the show notes. And this is the 22nd Letterboxd Scavenger Hunt uh, to date. And it is all about the number 17 as this is the first hunt from 2017 every single task is related to number 17 in some way and each time each one is uh explained from through the description of the tasks themselves and as well the uh, let's see. What else does he say here? Um, all the tasks, helpful links. <clears throat> oh, um, one of the incentives, and, and in quotations, he says prizes, that is... Uh, being being given out for this month is that the first person uh, signed up for this list that watches and reviews 17 movies on their list and makes a note of it in the comments of the thread will win a personalized haiku written by Andy Crike himself. And as well, the first person to watch and review the entirety of their list gets a haiku and a limerick, which are poems that he is very very favorable toward i don't know i i doubt that 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 will be me in either sense it'll probably take me 13 or 14 days to hit the 17 mark give or take and then probably close to the 25th when i finish my entire list which will be presumably after at least one other person uh so you know, hey, I I love the tasks. I, I always prefer months where the tasks are at least uh, varied enough to give me a, a wide variety of different types of movies to watch. Uh, you know, October's Hunt was fun be- because, you know, horror is a genre that I'm woefully uh, underviewing as a whole. And just kind of expanding that was nice, but there's I, I can put horror movies in any month, and this month is no different. So without any further ado, let's jump in to the tasks at hand. Great. Let's do this. So task number one, watch a film with 17, the number, or 17, the word, in the title and that is not the easiest uh, unfortunately I just watched Edge of 17 
which came out recently. But anyway, so the film that I found uh, is Try 17. This came out in 2002, directed by Jeffrey Porter, starring Elijah Wood, Franca Patente, Mandy Moore, and those are the only names that I recognize. Synopsis, Teenager Jones has opted not to go to college and is instead renting a room in a boarding house to work on his writing skills. Soon, Jones finds himself dividing his time between two women, a young actress named Lisa, played by Mandy Moore, and a photographer named Jane, Franca Patente. After Jane's ex-boyfriend arrives to help her recover from a car accident, Jones begins to understand just how much he cares for her. So... Sounds like a classic love triangle film. I don't expect a lot from this. Uh, it's not as though there were a lot of things to pick from in the seventeen na- in the films named <laughs> with seventeen in the title. And this one is a relatively short. It looks at about ninety-five minutes, and it has three names in it that are mostly recognizable. Franca Patenta, probably the least recognizable, but she is the female co-star in the Bourne movies, or the first Bourne movie, rather. Uh, I think she's in the second one as well. So, in that sense, you know, I'm, I'm interested in watching it for the immediate post-Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood factor as well. So, it should be somewhat interesting to add to the spreadsheet for that reason and yeah try 17 number one task number two watch any film that has a sequel or remake slash reboot scheduled for release during 2017 uh this was not that difficult i picked a film that in which the reboot sequel re-release is actually come uh uh opening in january and that is triple x state of the union uh the new triple x film return of xander cage comes out in late january and this film i've seen the first triple x film i have not seen state of the union probably because vin diesel was not in this one but you know, you've got your Ice Cube, your Willem Dafoe, Samuel Jackson, Scott Speedman, Exhibit, and yeah, it's, you know, it's part of a series, it'll, it probably won't really do anything to prepare me for the next one, honestly, since Vin Diesel isn't in this one at all, it's directed by Lee Tamahori, who I've seen one other film by, and that is Next, which is a Nicolas Cage film that's pretty bad. And he's got a couple other films in here that I'm looking at, but none that I've seen, none that I've really had reference toward whatsoever. So pretty much, uh, you know, I just think that this is kind of a filler film to... One, flesh out a series that I've already seen the first entry in. And two, give me at least maybe it'll fill in a couple of gaps that would take place between the original and the the third film in the series. Not that I on any level whatsoever remember what happened in the first film. I'll have to like reread a synopsis or something. But it also has Samuel L. Jackson. This will be... Who knows, his 64th film, I want to say. Yes, this would that would be his 64th film that I've seen, uh, which is kind of crazy. Whew. That is number two, Triple X, State of the Union. Number three, watch a film which is set during the year 2017, but was released before 2017. There are, were a couple of options. Uh, I don't remember all of them, but... Most of them I'd seen already. And finally, one I found. You know, again, like most of the movies that I I try to fill out these 
hunts with, I look for films that are either Oscar-nominated or feature a few big-name actors that will impact the spreadsheet, or director, for that matter. And this is as close as I could get. Uh, This is Fortress from 1992, directed by Stuart Gordon, who is probably best known for Reanimator, which I really enjoy, actually. So uh, hopefully there's some sense of that at all. But I don't really have my hopes up. It is a futuristic prison movie. And it stars Christopher Lambert, Kurtwood Smith, Clifton Collins Jr. And that's it. Uh, The main female character is played by Lauren Lachlan, who is a name I don't recognize. And for good reason. Because I've not seen any of her five films. And Christopher Lambert first kind of made his debut on my spreadsheet when I watched Mortal Kombat earlier this year. And then I saw him again in Southland Tales and Hail Caesar. But I've only seen a handful of his movies, not many at all. You know, I still haven't seen Highlander, any of the Highlanders. And this is one of his higher, more popular films that he's been in. And so... You know, I can look at his filmography and say, well, there's definitely some of these movies that I'm going to see at some point. So I don't feel, it doesn't feel too strange to watch another of his films. And I was having a lot of trouble finding a film to satisfy this task. So, yeah, it's a sci-fi film that is takes place in one spot and there's some element of mind control. I am on board. I I kind of expected to be a little schlocky, hammy, but that's kind of what you get when you have Christopher Lambert. So that's Fortress number three. Number four, watch a film set during the year 1917. Uh, This one was a lot easier, but I went with an interesting decision, and that is The Time Machine, Uh, H.G. Wells' sci-fi story in such which I find to be an interesting decision because it's one that kind of bounces around from year to year to year it does not star a single person whose name I recognize oh maybe it does do I know this person? Whit Bissell? maybe he's in The Magnificent Seven and HUD Uh, the name kind of jumped out at me it's directed by George Powell who has also directed Los 500 Sombreros or The 500 Hats of Bartholomew Cubina, which is a short film based on a Dr. Seuss book. He's also directed Tulips Shall Gro- uh, Tulipa Shall Grow, another short film. And the f- only feature of his that I've seen is Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, which is very uh, racist and of its time. Uh, The Time Machine, one sentence synopsis over here, a Victorian Englishman travels to the far future and finds that humanity has divided into two hostile species. I have seen the Time Machine film with Guy Pearce, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't remember it fondly. I found it to be kind of silly. Hopefully this one, you know, this one's much better reviewed. It's got a higher rating on Letterboxd. I would love to really enjoy this. I I think it could be really good. I just hope that the effects aren't utterly awful. And this film was nominated for an Academy Award. I don't... I can look up which one. And that would be... It won, actually. Not just nominated, won an award for Best Special Effects. That's what I would have guessed. So, yeah, that's exciting. Time Machine, sci-fi, love it. Number four. Number five. This watches film set during the 17th century. So, from 1600 to 1699. 
this one this is a much more open-ended one you know a lot of decisions a lot of picks possible and i kind of actually i don't remember what made me pick this movie i do actually uh, so this is a 1998 release directed by francois gerard it is the red violin I have not seen a Francois Girard film before. This is his most popular, and I don't recognize any of the other titles that he's directed. And it is presumably foreign. Uh, it lists seven, six different languages, so I don't know which one of those is the main language, but it won the Academy Award in 2000 for best original score and given that this is a foreign film I'm really impressed by that uh, yeah so it also if I am reading this comment correctly although I don't see the name Yes, it has Samuel L. Jackson in it. He is like the only name that makes any that doesn't make any sense in here. Every other name in this movie, from what I'm looking at, is foreign, in some sense. It looks like it's a very a compilation. So, okay, so there's. Let me just read the synopsis. It's kind of all over the place. It spans 300 years in the life of one famed musical instrument that winds up in present-day Montreal on the auction block. Crafted by the Italian master Busotti in 1681, the red violin derives its unusual color from the human blood mixed into the finish. With this legacy, the violin travels to Austria, England, China, and Canada, leaving both beauty and tragedy in its wake. Well, that explains all the questions that I had. I'm really looking forward to this one. It sounds really interesting. And bouncing around from all those different countries, languages, actors, I think it could be really good. And I hope that it could be really good. And it is yet another Samuel L. Jackson film. Number six. Uh, 2017 is the 50th anniversary of the first human being to be cryogenically frozen with intent of res resuscitation in the future. Watch a film which features cryogenic freezing or suspended animation. I this one was tough. I've seen a lot of the ones that a lot of other people picked. And I eventually settled on a 1984 film called Iceman, directed by Fred Shapisi, Shapisi, whose only other film I've seen is Roxanne, which I like. I think it's very fun. Uh kind of bolstered by Steve Martin's performance. We'll see how much of a role that plays. And this is not one of the more popular films from uh, Shapisi. He is an Australian director. And uh, it stars Timothy Hutton, who was in A Secret Window, Beautiful Girls, Ordinary, Ordinary People, uh, Kinsey that I've seen. Uh, so he he's had a mildly successful career i believe he was nominated for or he, he won actually he he is currently and is well i guess still is the youngest actor to win the academy award for best supporting actor which he won for his performance in ordinary people he was 20 years old that is right i do remember that and he is the star of the film also stars <clears throat> Lindsay cruz and David Strathairn, and Danny Glover. So, it's got a cast, and I'm looking forward to it. No no Oscars, though. Number seven is... 2017 is the 75th anniversary of the UK radio show Desert Island Discs. Watch a film about someone stranded on a desert island. And this one, I think, I remember picking out very quickly, and that is The Blue Lagoon. 1980 film directed by Randall Kleiser, who directed Grease, Flight of the Navigator, which I watched this month, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. This is the most popular film of his that I have left, that is left to be seen, is 
you know, his fourth most popular after the three I just named. <clears throat> it stars Brooke Shields and Christopher Atkins as the two leads. And that's it. Everybody, none of these other names uh, register for me at all. It was nominated for one Oscar in Best Cinematography. Interesting. I'll have to keep an eye out on that one. But it's generally got some pretty bad reviews. I don't really have much of a history with Brooke Shields. I've seen very, very small number of films that she's been in. And even smaller number of films where she's a star. This will be an interesting look at her as an actress. And she's very young in this movie, so it probably won't even register with me, actually. But Blue Lagoon. That's, uh, it's, a, it's a film that I've heard the title of before. One I've kind of, you know, kind of had in the back of my mind. I, I recognize it when I hear it, I guess I would say. Number eight. 2017 is the 90th anniversary of the first live radio commentary of an English football match. Watch any film about the UK national sport of football slash soccer. Uh, yeah. So, I feel like I've seen the best of these films already. You, uh, That Damned United is really good. And that's probably it. But, there was a film I found that I remember being recommended many years ago, and that is Mean Machine, starring Vinnie Jones, who I love, Jason Statham, who I love, and a handful of other kind of low-level UK film stars. Uh, some of these names, like Jason Fleming is familiar, who you know, I recognize that name, but not overly Jeff Bell is a name that I know is on my spreadsheet, but isn't super uh, prominent, I guess I would say. And it's kind of the soccer football version of The Longest Yard, which originally starred Burt Reynolds and was later remade with Adam Sandler in the lead role, which is a film that I enjoy and, and find to be dumb fun. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I think it'll be enjoyable. It'll be... I, I love Vinnie Jones. I think he's great. And I think that uh, it'll be fun to just see him. I think he'll be great in this role, honestly. Number nine. June 2017 is the 200th anniversary of the invention of the Dandy Horse, which was the first human-powered two-wheeled vehicle and is the forerunner to the bicycle. Watch a film about or featuring cycling. Again, I've seen probably the most prominent films of these, uh, which would be uh, Prefontaine. No, wait, Prefontaine's running, uh, uh, Breaking Away. That's what I meant. But instead, I found a foreign film directed by Jean-Pierre Dardenn and Luc Dardenne called The Kid with a Bike. This came out in 2011, a much more recent film, and was not nominated for any Oscars. Does not star anyone of recognition from myself, but it does have a very high rating. Uh, it's got a 3.8 on Rotten Tomato, or it's got a 3.8 on Letterboxd, and it has a 7.4 on IMDb. And the Dardenne Brothers, I'm guessing, also directed Two Days, One Night, starring Marianne Cotillard, which I loved. I absolutely adored that movie, and I thought Cotillard was fantastic in it. It's from 2014, so this should be a really interesting movie for me. I, I'm hoping that they kind of get the same tone and emotional depth that they had in Two Days, One Night, hopefully. Number 10. Watch a film which was nominated in any category at the 17th Academy Awards. Uh, this is my kind of category. I am all about this. And 
I would have loved to pick any of them or all of them. But I ended up going with Wilson from 1944, directed by Henry King, who also directed none of the other, no other films that I've seen. But his most popular films on Letterboxd are The Gunfighter, which stars Gregory Peck, 12 O'Clock High, also starring Gregory Peck, uh, The Song of Bernadette, and Love is a Many Splendored Thing. This film won five Oscars and was nominated for five more. Uh, it was it won for original screenplay, cinematography, uh, production, sound recording, and film editing, and was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Lead Actor for Alexander Knox, Best Director, Best Special Effects, and Best Score for a drama or comedy. So this is a big one, and that is primarily why I chose it. It stars Charles Coburn, Alexander Knox, Geraldine Fitzgerald, among others. Uh, Vincent Price as well. That's a name people sometimes recognize. And despite all the nominations it has, it has it does not have a good rating on Letterboxd. And, uh, yeah, it might be one of the films from early on that has gotten extremely outdated now. But uh, we'll see. It's, it's, it's always interesting to go back at these films and look at these films that, you know, got all these nominations, won all these Academy Awards. And many of them, some of them hold up, a lot of them do not. And based on the ratings for this one, it seems like this is one of the ones that does not. Number 11 is, the age of 17 was when I really started, this is uh, Andy, the hunt creator talking. The age of 17 was when I really started taking movies seriously, and I went to as many new releases as I could. But a lot of them I haven't seen since that first viewing. Watch a film released during the year you were 17 years old, that you watched that year but haven't seen since. <clears throat> uh, so this was tough. There were not a lot of options for me. I I didn't really start paying close attention to films till I was 19. So I was still kind of re-watching things a lot back then. So, and this is also the only film from this month that I've already seen. It is a film that I have rated let me just double check this here oh, this is not going to be good oh, damn it all right there we go uh i saw this for the first time in 2009 i'm not sure what day it was a very short film it came out that year i gave it a 71 it uh, at the time had a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. My synopsis was, in an apocalyptic world, a scientist's creations live on and struggle to survive the new threats. And this film is called Nine, directed by Shane Acker, who has not gone on to direct anything else. Uh, he directed a short film called Nine four years prior to the feature film release. That is pretty much what drew Tim Burton to him and got the funding for the feature-length film. It did not really do that well. Uh, but I was incredibly excited to, for this when it first came out. I was so into this movie. And I was a little let down by it, but not too much. Uh, it has the voice contributions from Elijah Wood. John C. Riley, Jennifer Connelly, Christopher Plummer, Crispin Glover, Martin Landau, among others. Uh, on to number 12. <clears throat> Watch a film featuring any actor or made by any director who died during any part of 17 years ago. So in the year 2000. Uh, kind, of, kind of depressing. I went with Uh, Loretta Young, who is a 
famous actress, that <clears throat> won Best Actress in the film that I'm going to watch called The Farmer's Daughter. Uh, she received a second nomination for her role in Come to the Stable a couple of years later. And later, and a few years after that, starred in a TV show that earned three Emmys. <clears throat> she died, she was born in January, born on January 6th, 1913, and passed away August 12th, 2000. This will be the first film of hers that I've seen, although she has 91 credits, with <clears throat> The Stranger being her top credit. And none of these films, none of the titles really jump out at me. The Farmer's Daughter is her seventh most popular film. Uh, like I said, she won an Oscar for Best Actress in this role. And the film was also nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor to Charles Bickford. <clears throat> it's got a decent rating on, run, or on uh, Letterboxd at 3.2. It's from 1947, directed by H.C. Potter. And, uh, yeah, it's another old movie that I'm interested in seeing. I, I love, I love mov older movies where the, fe where the female character is kind of the central character who, who leads the film. And I don't, there aren't enough of those. And uh, so ho I hope it, hopefully I enjoy this quite a bit. It also features a, uh, a moment from Best Flowers, notable extra, who is, as of right now, number six overall on my actors page. So this would be her, tw that would be her 20th film credit as, and could potentially, mm, long shot, but could potentially jump her into fifth above Matt Damon. But, yeah. I I love that she's in all these movies, Best Flowers, particularly all these older movies. I do wish that I could, like, pick out the scenes that she's in. Like, I wish I, like, knew her well enough to, like, to recognize her in the backgrounds of scenes and things like that. But maybe that'll come. Maybe that'll come. There might even be a supercut of that somewhere on YouTube or something. Anyway. Number 13. Watch a film featuring any actor born during 2000, which will make them 17 years old this year. And uh, I went with a, an animated film. And... Well, who did I go for? I went with Emily Hahn. <clears throat> Emily Hahn is a, is a voice actress... She's 17 years old, as it turns out, or rather was born in 2000. She is most prominently known for Toy Story 3, in which she voices Bonnie, the girl who now has all the toys. I've seen her in, or well, I've heard her in Toy Story 3, Toy Story of Terror, Toy Story Toons, Hawaiian Vacation, Toy Story 2 and Small Fry, Party Saurus Rex, and her only other feature film besides Toy, Toy, Toy Story 3, Wreck-It Ralph. I don't recall what her role is in that. What was it? Uh, it was a very, it's a much smaller role. I'm not going to be able to find it. Yes, I am. Nah, just additional voices, nothing specific. And this is the only film credit of hers on Letterboxd that I haven't seen. So, Toys in the Attic is a 2009 film directed by Jury Barta, who I haven't seen any of his films. But the plot synopsis boils down to, in an attic full of discarded junk, a pretty doll called Buttercup lives in an old trunk together with her friends, the marionette Prince Charming, Lazy Teddy Bear, and the plasticine creature Schubert. When Buttercup is snatched and taken off to the land of evil, her pal set out to rescue her. Sounds like a different Toy Story, I guess. 
like Toy Story meets Super Mario Brothers. I don't expect a lot from it, but I think it has a chance. You know, it's got a really good cast. Forrest Whitaker, Carrie Elwes, Vivian Schilling, Emily Hahn, Joan Cusack. I'm pretty looking forward to it. I mean, it's a really short film, 75 minutes, not too long. So it should be a breezy film. Hopefully it just kind of has, hopefully it has charming. It's charming. It's a stop motion film. Uh, it's Czech. And I, I don't know anything else about it, but I'm looking forward to it. I love stop motion just in general. <clears throat> the Coen brothers, Richard Linklater, and Pixar are three filmmakers I could find that have made and released exactly 17 feature films to date. Watch any of their films, or a film from any other director who has made exactly 17 films. Well, I went with the Coen Brothers, and I've seen most of their their films. Uh, I've seen 15 of their films, as it turns out, with the only two that I haven't seen yet being Miller's Crossing and the Hudsucker Proxy. And I decided to go with the Hudsucker Proxy from 1994, starring Tim Robbins, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Paul Newman, Charles Durning, John Mahoney, Bill Cobbs, Bruce Campbell, Steve Buscemi, Anna Nicole Smith, uh, John Goodman, Richard Schiff, a lot of people in this thing. It's got a 3.6 on Letterboxd, which is pretty solid. And uh, the I've got a lot of reviews from people I follow on Letterboxd, giving it four or five stars. So there's a little bit of a little bit of hype surrounding this one. I think I I probably expect this to make the top ten at some on some level. I am a big fan of the Coen Brothers. It wasn't until Hail Caesar came out this year that I'd seen a. Okay, that's not true. Uh, other than, you know, Hail Caesar this year was kind of a letdown for me. And by kind of, I mean a significant letdown for me. As the only other film of theirs that I didn't like was Intolerable Cruelty. And I, I absolutely did not enjoy Hail Caesar. I really didn't like it. But, Hudsucker Proxy. I've heard a lot of good things. I'm really excited to see it. Great cast, huge cast, which I love. And Coen Brothers. Love the Coen Brothers. Number 15. Watch a film featuring any of the cast of 17 again, but you cannot choose 17 again itself for this task. I have seen 17 again, and the actor I chose was Matthew Perry who also appears in The Whole Nine Yards from 2000, directed by Jonathan Lynn, starring Bruce Willis, Matthew Perry, Roseanne Arquette, Michael Clark Duncan, Kevin Pollack, Harlan Williams, Amanda Peet, Natasha Henstridge, among others. Uh, this, is the, this would be the third film from Jonathan Lynn that I've seen, the others being My Cousin Vinny, which I liked, and Wild Target, which I also liked. Uh, his most notable film, however, is Clue, that he directed. The Whole Nine Yards is a film I've heard of a lot. I just never saw it. You know, it came out in 2000, well before I was starting even to watch PG-13 films. Uh, I think this is rated R. Yes, so I, I did not see it whatsoever. I don't know anything about it other than the cast and what I've read to you so far. Going into this pretty blind, the poster is interesting. It, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a kind of a movie that's going to be bad. <laughs> I think that that's the case. Anyway, number 16. The actor... Jim Carrey will be 55 on January 17th. Watch one of his films. Uh, great. I am a big Jim Carrey fan. 
And at first I was going to watch Dumb and Dumberer 2. I don't remember the title of it. But then I realized it was the third Dumb and Dumber movie. It came out like a year or two ago. And I didn't realize that I hadn't actually seen Dumb and Dumber 2, the sequel. So that's what I'm watching, Dumb and Dumber 2. The Farrelly Brothers directed it. It's set 20 years after the original. Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, Kathleen Turner, Rob Riggle. Uh, There's a lot more in here, I know. Bill Murray. Mm. Oh man, there's a huge cast list. Don't know a lot of these names, though. That might be it for the big ones, though. Ending with Bill Murray. I liked the first Dumb and Dumber. I wasn't super high on it. I think it's fine and enjoyable. I don't expect a lot from this. You know, I don't really have a nostalgia associated with the series, with the characters. And I think that these movies really play too hard on Jim Carrey's shtick. And I don't appreciate that. You know, he get, comes very close to being obnoxious and annoying in Ace Ventura. And I think that the Dumb and Dumber series is more egregious than, they, than the Ventura series. So, ugh. Whatever. Uh, not super looking forward to that one, but it'll be nice to check that one off once I do see it. Number 17. The actress, Zoe Deschanel, will be 37 on January 17th. Watch one of her films. This one was a little harder. I at one punch a lot of the films that Zoe Deschanel was in. This one is actually related to a film that just came out uh, called Jackie, and this is Letters to Jackie, remembering President Kennedy from 2013, directed by Bill Coulteri. Coulteri who also directed a movie called Ed, starring Matt LeBlanc, with a baseball-playing chimp. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite a pedigree. But this film revisits President John F. Kennedy's presidential legacy through 21 of the more than 800,000 condolence letters written to Jackie Kennedy after the assassination, Based on a book by Ellen Fitzpatrick, it is a documentary with featuring presences from Anne Hathaway, Michelle Williams, Kirsten Dunst, Chris Cooper, Damian Bisher, Bashir, Jessica Chastain, Zoe Deschanel, Allison Janney, John Krasinski, Melissa Leo, Laura Linney, Chloe Grace Moretz, Mark Ruffalo, Octavia Spencer, Haley Steinfeld, Channing Tatum, Betty White, Oliver Platt. Everybody. So many people in this movie. And, as you know, that is a huge draw for me. To be able to add these people to the spreadsheet for this film is great. I have no expectations for it. And uh, I just hope it's good. It's a documentary. Generally, those tend to be rated a little higher than the other genres. So, I, I think that this has some potential. And considering how big the cast is, it could really shake things up in the spreadsheet. Number 18. Watch any film which has been given the NC-17 rating in the USA since its creation in 1990, but not if it was later re-edited and then given an R rating. Pre-1990 X-rated films, which were later changed to an NC-17, do not count either. So, kind of a small window. Uh, But I think I found a good one. And that is Lust, Caution, directed by Ang Lee from 2007. Ang Lee, great director, director of Life of Pi, Brokeback Mountain, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Hulk, Sense and Sensibility, Taking Woodstock, The Ice Storm, and most notably this year, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. I am inc- I love Ang Lee. I think he's a great director. And 
I'm really looking forward to this. It's got it's got some really good reviews on Letterboxd, a 3.7 average. I think this one could be a pretty big player at the end of the month review. And uh, I'm I'm very hopeful. Very hopeful. Number 19. 2017 is the Chinese year of the rooster. Watch a film which features a character called Rooster. Uh, this was a tough one to answer, but I, I managed to do it. And uh, let me see here if I can find. Oh, it's not listed on Letterboxd. Let me check IMDb. This is a 1995 film directed by Gary Fletter called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. And the character named Rooster is played by someone called <laughs> someone called Don Cheadle. It looks to be a very minor role of his. Uh, it primarily stars Andy Garcia, Christopher Lloyd, William Forsythe, Bill Nunn, Jack Warden, Steve Buscemi, Farusa Balk, Christopher Walken, Bill Cobbs, Don Stark, Jenny McCarthy, as well as Don Cheadle, Tommy Tiny Lister. Uh, yeah, nice big cast here. Uh, this Gary Fletter guy also directed, ooh, one of my favorite films, Runaway Jury. Ooh, wait a second now. I recently heard someone say something good about this movie, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. I think it was on the Cinerealist podcast. That alone is good enough for me. Despite its somewhat average reviews on Letterboxd, I am going in optimistic. Optimistic. Number 20. Watch the 17th film in order of release from either the James Bond series, the Carry On films, the Godzilla films, or any other long-running film fan franchise. As it just so happened, after watching The Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2 last month, I have now seen 16 DC Animated Universe films, which would make the next one number 17, satisfying this task. And that film is Superman Unbound. Uh, it's got mildly average reviews at a 3.0 on Letterboxd, this, although not a lot of watches. Uh, this one... This film is, the plot is, Superman and Supergirl take on the cybernetic Brainiac, who boasts that he possesses the knowledge and strength of 10,000 worlds. Stars Matt Bomer as the voice of Superman. And John Noble as the voice of Brainiac. Diedrich Bader as the voice of Steve Lombard. And, uh, yeah. So... Just checking off another DC Animated Universe film. Slowly and steadily, I'm going to finish that series. Catch up, finally. Number 21. There's always a task where you are forced to choose and watch something shitty, right? Watch any film with a tomato meter rating of exactly 17%. Whew. I think I found a decent one. I It's, again, another film with a Samuel Jackson contribution this is called zambezia which is a 2012 film animated from south africa that is about well here's the synopsis set in a bustling bird city on the edge of the majestic victoria falls zambezia is the story of kai a naive but high-spirited young falcon who travels to the bird city of zambezia where he discovers the truth about his origins and, in defending the city, learns how to be part of a community. Great cast. Uh, I presume that those have been that it was originally filmed in a different language, and that these are simply the voices that they got to dub over them, which would be Samuel L. Jackson, Abigail Breslin, Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Goldblum, Jennifer Lewis, Richard E. Grant, Corey Burton, Jim Cummings, Phil Lamar. Deep Roy and Tom Kenny, among others. It 
looks like kind of a rehash of Rio. I don't know which one of those came first. Might have actually been Zambezia. I doubt this is going to be any good. And most of the reviews seem to indicate that that will be the case. So, yeah, Zambezia. Number 22. Watch a film in which one of the UK pop bands, Heaven 17 or East 17, appear on the soundtrack. Uh, I don't know. I picked a movie called California. It came out in 1993, directed by Dominic Sana. Stars Brad Pitt, David Duchovny, and Juliette Lewis. I'm in. Love Juliette Lewis. Love Brad Pitt. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't know anything else about it. Number 23. 17 is the name of a... Er... Yeah, 17 is the name of a USA fashion magazine. Watch a film either about magazine production or the fashion industry. This one was tough to find the right film. And I ended up going with a well-reviewed film. It was nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. It is a film directed by Michelangelo Antonioni, which will be the first film of his that I've seen. He was an Italian modernist film director, and this is his 1966 film, Blow Up, uh, about a successful photographer in London whose world is bounded by fashion, pop music, marijuana, and easy sex, feels his life is boring and despairing. But in the course of a single day, he accidentally captures on film the commission of a murder. Uh, yeah, it's got Vanessa Redgrave, who's always great. It's the only name I recognize. It's got a 3.9 average rating on Letterboxd, which is really good. And, uh, yeah, I, I never heard of this film prior to finding it on here. But I'm, I'm really looking looking forward to it. I'm really excited for it. Number 24. Just 17 was a former UK magazine for girls. Watch any film with the word just in the title. As long as it's not a part of another word, for example, justice or adjustment. I picked just one of the guys. From 1985, directed by Lisa Gottlieb. And starring Joyce Heiser, among others. This is basically um, about a girl, Terry Griffith, Griffith, who believes that she is being discriminated against for her gender. She probably is and was, just like the director of this film. It might even be autobiographical. And so, in order, her, Terry, Terry's decision is that she is going to pose as a boy to prove that she is just as good as they are. And the truth is, she is just as good as they are. And I'm sure plenty of hijinks ensue. I expect this to be kind of fun. Uh, it has shades of She's the Man, which is a fun film that I quite enjoy. And... I, I don't know. I, I think this was... I think it'll be uh, superficially enjoyable. Uh, we'll see just how sexist it really is. It could just be kind of awful. But who knows. Number 25. If you dial 17 on a phone in France, you'll be connected to the police. Watch a film featuring the French police. This was one of the easier films to d pick, decide on. I went with 1995's La Haine, uh, which is about three young friends, a uh, Vince, Hubert, and Said, a Jew, African, and an Arab, who kind of are, are kind of pushed to their edges. Uh, uh, 
uh, in the face of France's immigration population uh, policies and things like that. Uh, the only recognizable name I see is Vincent Cassell, who uh, I guess he's most recognizable as the French thief from Ocean's 12. Uh, yeah. It's got a 4.2 on Letterboxd. That is really high. So this has a bit of a pedigree. It's It's got some shoes to fill. Definitely. And... Uh, it is one of the Letterboxd Top 250, currently ranking at number 238 with an 8.1 average. So, really looking forward to this one. I hope that it lives up to that rating. Number 26. In Italy, the number 17 is considered unlucky. Watch an Italian horror film. I googled Italian horror films. There were a couple of different options. I went with Deep Red. Uh, this is a film about a musician witnesses the murder of a famous psychic and then teams up with a feisty reporter to find the killer while evading attempts on their lives by the unseen killer bent on keeping a dark secret buried. I... <laughs> All of the warning signs and feelings in my body tell me this is going to be bad, yet it has a 3.9 on, on Letterboxd, so I'm kind of conflicted. I don't recognize any of the names attached to it, oh, whether actor or director. Uh, this is, well, I guess I do recognize the director, Dario Argento, who also directed Suspiria, which I was kind of mixed on. I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Uh, you know, maybe I need to watch it again, but... Uh, this is Deep Red, which is supposed to be really good. Uh, you know, I want it to be. You know, I want every film I watch to be good. I just, I have a inkling that it, it just doesn't, something doesn't fit, seem right. That's all. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. 27, the 17th American state is Ohio. Watch a film set in Ohio. Uh, I went with Scream 2. I watched Scream, the first film, uh, for the first time last this year during a previous scavenger hunt. So moving on to another, moving on to the sequel. That's about all there is to it. I've heard that it's worse than the first one, so we'll put that theory to the test. Number twenty-eight. The British comedian Norman Wisdom made his stage debut performance on December seventeenth, nineteen forty-five and went on to become a major film star in the UK. Watch any Norman Wisdom film. Uh, he's been in quite a few, but not a ton. And I didn't want to be I didn't want it to be a film where he's just kind of where he's not, you know, relevant to the plot really. So, I picked his most popular film on Letterboxd, which is The Night They Raided Minsky's. Directed by William Friedkin, who is a very familiar name to me. He directed The Exorcist, The French Connection, among others. Uh, you know, I've seen six of his films currently. And Norman Wisdom is the third build actor in this film, behind Jason Robards, who I quite enjoy, and Britt Eklund who I don't recognize her name and I don't think I've seen any of her films either she's very pretty though she is a Swedish actress still living and she is uh, from the man with the golden gun who went on to have a little bit of fame elsewhere so cool I don't know anything about this movie but I don't know it'll probably be some funny some little bit of funny here and there Hopefully, I'd like that. Number 29, almost done. A haiku is a poem from Japan which consists of exactly 17 syllables. Watch a film about poetry, poets, or based on a poem. Review it in the form of a haiku. Very interesting. I will 
definitely reveal what haiku I used when I do my review episode at the end of January. But the film that I chose is Il Postino, The Postman. Not to be confused with the Kevin Costner tragic misfire, but uh, actually a good film from 1994. It's got a 3.7 average rating on Letterboxd, directed by Michael Radford. This is the first film of his I've seen. I yeah, And he's got a couple of relevant films looking up here. Merchant of Venice with Al Pacino. 1984 from 1984 so yeah I you know I I expect things from this it doesn't have a cast that I'm familiar with it is not primarily in English I, I believe it'll be in Italian and it is nominated for at least one thing. It was nominated for five Academy Awards, winning one for Best Score, but it was also nominated for Best Picture in 1996, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. So there's a lot to look forward to. A lot of big prestige films in this month's hunt. Two left now. In 2017... Andy's partner will turn 40 years old. In tribute to her, watch any film which has a British female character as its main protagonist. I went with a film I'd never heard of, directed by Ken Loach, who directed Kess from last month's hunt, called Kathy Come Home. It isn't really a film. It's a BBC television play about homelessness and it's so it's more of like a television film I guess but it's on letterboxd so I'm counting it and that's that's all there is to it another Ken Loach film and so I had I really enjoyed Kess it made my top 10 I believe it was like third or fourth that that month so I've got some higher expectations for the next Ken Loach film. And finally, number 31. Whew. Pick up something you can read. A book, a magazine, or a newspaper. Turn to page 17. Now find the 17th word on that page and watch a film containing that word in the title. <laughs> so I picked up a book called We the Animals, a book I read in college and was quite fond of. On the 17th page, the 17th word is from. I chose a movie called Letter from an Unknown Woman from 1948. It is directed by Max Ophuls. I probably pronounced that so wrong. And it is the, it will be the first film of his that I've seen. It stars Joan Fontaine, Louis Jordan, among others that I don't recognize. It's got a 4.0 in Letterboxd, very highly rated. Uh, was not nominated for any ask, uh, was not nominated for any Oscars though. And the synopsis reads. A pianist about to flee from a duel receives a letter from a woman he cannot remember. As she tells the story of her lifelong love for him, he is forced to reinterpret his own past. Which I think sounds really interesting. I don't know what the conceit will be or how it will be shown or what way in which any of the things will take place, but I really I really think the premise has a lot of promise to it. And uh, so I'm hopeful. I think that there are a lot of really highly reviewed films this month. I think that the top 10 for this month will be much better overall than uh, for than December's was. 
I don't think we'll see any films less than a 60 in the top 10 at the end of the month. And I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say that there's one film this month that kind of runs away at the superlatives. I think we're due the, you know, November, December, we're pretty even. No one really, you know, despite the fact that there were some really great films those months, none of them really broke free and kind of swept up the superlatives like they could have. And I think this month, something's going to do it. I don't know what it is. There's a lot of options, but I think something's going to do it. So, none of these films are released in 2016. I will be seeing plenty of those kind of, <laughs> plenty of 2016 films in the theater still in January, which is stupid. But that's the way the Academy works, so that's, that's just how it's got to be. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, my mouth is so dry. I This will be the first episode that you listen to in the new year. Or rather, the first episode I release in the new year. Whether or not it's the first one you listen to then is a different question and matter of fact. I hope that your New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are enjoyable. And I wish you well for the upcoming year ahead of you. You can find all my information at circleoffilm.com, as well as any contact information. And as always, please have a year. So-